Welcome to the Stream of David Show, where David taps into higher consciousness and shares divine guidance from the stream, answering all of life's questions and guiding you to the life of your dreams. Sit back with your mind opened as you come along with us on this wonderful journey of higher enlightenment. Here's your host, David Strickle. Hi, welcome to the Stream of David Show. I am here today with another friend and a certainly special guest, Mark Shahada. Hi, Mark. No, that was wrong. You pronounced my last name wrong. Shahada? Just kidding. That was perfect. <laughs> I was going to say, really, after all that? <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> well, people pronounce Strickle wrong all the time, so I'm used to the Stickle, Strickland. They always put the A and D on the end of it. Uh-huh. It's Strickle, like pickle. Strickle. That's right. Strickle like pickle, Shahada like Shahada, as you said. <laughs> well, it's good to have you here. It's really good to have you here. Thank and you. Uh, Mark, uh, just to give you a little backstory on him, I met him on Law of Attraction uh, Radio Network Cruise back when I was on Law of Attraction Radio Network. And we just had, hit it off, had a good time, uh, met him through uh, our mutual friend, Gary Temple Bodley, who you have probably heard on this, uh, this podcast as well. And Mark is certainly an aficionado of the law of attraction, as you know, all humanity is actually, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> but you're, you're really into it. And certainly you've, uh, what I like is you kind of have your own spin and your own tools that you utilize and really teach about that help you with your law of attraction, uh, your intentional manifestation practice is what I should say. I hate to say law of attraction practice. That's like saying your gravity practice, you know? All oh, right. Like I walk right. outside and I practice gravity. I'm going to use gravity to stick to the ground. It's, right. To me, law of attraction is just like gravity. It's, it's constant. <clears throat> it's attracting everything in our lives. It is spirituality because it's, it's the process of all creation. So you're saying it's not, I want to use a law of attraction to manifest so much money. It's not that? Yeah. And every time you hear somebody <laughs> say that, they're saying it because they're broke and they stay that way. That's right. 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 <laughs> so yeah, we want to get around that. Where I, I talk a lot about law of attraction 2.0. Like the secret was great. The secret introduced the world to the, the fact that we create our own reality. The law of attraction is really a theme. It's one of the best selling books of all time. It did its job. It introduced the idea and it exploded. It was wonderful. What I'm doing now, I, and very much what Gary does, and a lot of us do, is I'm taking it to the next step. And that's why I call my Facebook group Law of Attraction 2.0. Perfect name. Because we already understand law of attraction, those of us that are in 2.0. Now, what do we do with that? And that's how I developed the Taya spiritual practice was out of my frustration with trying to, quote unquote, use the law of attraction. And once I figured out that, okay, it's not about using the law of attraction. It's really about learning how attraction really works, learning that the universe only knows yes. The bigger one, learning that positive and negative have a place in our world and always will. And that negative serves a purpose. Yes, I figured that out and I leaned into the negative and I yes. appreciated it. <clears throat> then everything started turning around and changing. And I started manifesting in every area of my life the way I wanted to. As I say, that's just a high concept of, of appreciating the negative. You know, when things go wrong, you know, it's, it's, it's the questions you ask when things go wrong, right? Why is this happening to me? I, you know, and how can I get rid of this instead of, instead of what? Like, um, what what am I, what am I learning from this? What's my takeaway? Why is this for me? I mean, that's those, and it's it's it sounds very cliche, but those different takes on when something happens, ne- negative happens to you, is a difference between, as you talk a lot about spiraling down or spiraling up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's, it's really getting to a place in life where you understand that you're going to go down your spiral sometimes, no matter what. And there's certainly work that we do in Taya to, to not go down as often and to view it differently when we are there. It, it's about appreciating the downtime because it inspires new uptime. It inspires new yeah. creation. And I, I can say I've gotten to my, a place in my life now to when something negative comes along, I immediately look for the silver lining in it and look for the value in it. Why did I manifest this? Yeah. I'm going to give you two examples right now that are recent. Yeah. One is a big one that happened. Uh, the, the biggest piece of contrast that I experienced, negative contrast that I experienced in 2009, uh, one was uh, mid-year. I had this situation where all my friends here, and I live in Palm Springs, California, and all my friends here, the, the friendship circle that I was in, uh, kind of faded away from my life. And I, I came to understand in the fading away that I was no longer vibra vibrationally matched to these people. I had sort of raised my vibration. I'd gone to a higher place uh, vibrationally where I'm keeping myself up the spiral more of the time. The old negative stuff that I used to sort of enjoy, I didn't enjoy anymore. And, and not to sound overly judgmental, but you know, there's a group of people that just enjoy different things than I do today. I'll leave it at that. And so I was, found myself kind of alone here, you know, I, not alone in my daily life because I talk to people all over the world all week long and I love it in, in what I do. But just as far as my personal life here locally, I was very alone. So I met this person and immediately thought, wow, this I've manifested my soulmate in this person. I don't even like to use the word soulmate, but I felt that at this time. This, this it was another guy, I'm a gay dude. So, you know, I, I found this person that I just thought, wow, this is the person for me. You know, we just, we hit it off so well. There's just such a strong attraction. And we just had so many things that we just, just bonded over. And it was so wonderful. And it turned out very quickly to not be that way. It turned out uh, to, to be kind of a, a, a negative relationship in my life. And so I, it hit me when I really went down my spiral regarding it that this is gonna serve me somehow, I just don't know how. Right. I had no idea how. I thought maybe for a minute that yeah, he turned out to be, he had a, a narcissistic edge to his personality. It was a component of who he was, not the wholeness of who he is. I don't believe anybody has a negative component component that is the wholeness of who they are but he, he was a little narcissistic and you know I have a healthy ego I thought you know that's not a quality that I really want maybe my manifesting him was to highlight that I don't want to go there you know mm -hmm. I don't want my ego to get ahead of me the stream even says that your ego is healthy it serves you but when it starts getting ahead of you you know the universe is going to come around and knock you right back into alignment because your ego can't supersede your soul consciousness they, they sort of need to stay in balance while they're uh, physical anyway so I met this person, went down my spiral, didn't know what it was about, got really frustrated by it, but then I relaxed into the knowing that something good was going to come out of it. Right. And okay. when I did that, I started uh, meeting all these people through him, mm -hmm. these new friends. You know, I met somebody that took boot camp, and she's a good friend of mine now. Uh, I met somebody else, um, you know, that's become a, becoming a really good friend of mine that I really enjoy hanging out with. And then he introduced me to Michael, who is, is my boyfriend now, who I do believe is the quote unquote love of my life. And you know, I, I have a relationship that's better with, with him than I've ever had romantically before in my life. He's the one as far as I'm concerned. Wow. So, you know, now I look back and just laugh at that little, little sliver of time that I was down my spiral with this person, but he introduced me, introduced me to all these great people. Yeah. And he's still a friend of mine. I've even uh, expressed gratitude toward him. Hey, I know our thing didn't work out, but I want to show appreciation for the fact that look who all, you know, you've introduced me to. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I see now that I you know, manifested this situation, didn't even know what it was for, took me down my spiral. And I will say that the person I was infatuated with was very much my typical quote unquote type. And the one that I'm in love with now is not my type or not my typical type. And I even see the fact that that falling for this person who was my quote unquote type was really tied up in my ego and was ultimately not the right one for me. That prepared me to have right. my eyes open for when the right one did show up. Yes. I love Look that. at all the blessings that came out of that contrast. I love that. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I have been telling myself. Um, well, for one thing, one thing I really liked about you when I first met you is that David really understands this stuff and you live it. Like you really, um, I mean, being a channel of it, of the information is one thing, but knowing it and living it is another. And I knew when I first met you that you understand this stuff on a, on a different level. And I was not to mention how much fun we had. Like it was a, it was so, uh, such an, a quick, um, getting along with everybody with the, the Joshua people and you, I mean, we were just hanging out, having fun immediately and having good conversations. But anyway, I like that idea. And that question you asked yourself, which was, how is this going to be meaningful me in the future? Meaningful for me in the future? Something like that. Like what we're, right. you know, yeah. <clears throat> how is it ultimately going to serve me? What's how's the it going to serve lining? me? Right. Yeah. What's this, where's the silver lining? It is huge. And what, what the way I like to think about it in my life is I have somewhere where I like to be, let's say for me, let's say I want to be the best life coach I can be. I, I want to be the best person I can be. And I want to be able to get along in, with anybody in any situation, right? And so in the trainings that I go to when I go help with the, the faster EFT and the um, helping out and doing sessions, I go and I'm, you're around a lot of different people and I'm assisting and I'm, and I'm being around a lot of different people. Sometimes you get triggered, you know? And now when I get triggered and somebody might be, you know, might, I might come across somebody who is bringing out things in, in me that maybe I don't like, or <clears throat> what I do is first I ask, well, what are they triggering me? And I actually use the, the, the modality faster EFT on myself by asking myself certain questions like, well, what is this, you know, what does this remind me of? Oh, I'm annoyed by her because she's like my mom. And so I know I have to go do work on my mom, rewrite the story of my mom because I'm acting in certain ways. And how am I acting in certain ways that I didn't really like how I acted with her? Oh, I'm acting like my dad. So I go back and I see that I got some work to do. And here, here, and here's the gift in that is that when these things happen, <clears throat> you know, there's, you know, the universe knows where I want to be and knows what I want and it's helping me get there. And I needed these experiences to get there, get to be the person I need to be to have what I want. Just like with you, you um, attracted the, the man that you like now because, and, and the past relationship helped you to get there. So it's a cool, and when we're going through, let's say, quote unquote, negative things in our life, if you have that perspective, it's a whole different, it's a whole different perspective. It's so helpful. Like, okay, how is this for me? How is this going to help me get to where I want to be, be the person? Well, it's, a true, it's a true state of allowing. And we yeah. talk about allowing and, and not fighting the things that we don't know because if you push against something, you're just inviting more of it in. The universe only knows yes. Yeah. And 
if I had chosen, it's funny because I, I mentioned that there was some narcissistic aspects of the first person's um, personality. It wasn't the wholeness of who he was, but there, there was narcissistic aspects of that, that that showed themselves in our romantic involvement, whatever you want to call it. We were, were really weren't in a relationship. We were just kind of seeing each other, but I really fell for him. And the empath in me was seeing through these red flags and seeing the, the, the deeper depths of the good person that he actually is. Right. And so I actually stumbled upon an article about empaths and narcissists and how it's such a toxic relationship that happens all the time. And I read the article and it made sense to me that that's what was going on, but I also didn't like the article because it painted the empath as a victim. Right. And, and I don't ever want to be a victim ever, ever, <clears throat> ever, ever, because I manifested this, this situation, this person, I'm not a victim of this. I might be the empath, but it doesn't mean that I'm the, the poor little innocent empath that, you know, fell prey to the mean narcissist. You know, I don't believe that, right. you know, he is a nice person. He's a nice guy. He's well-meaning, but he's got certainly, you know, he checks off every box of the narcissist checklist. He does. And I've told him that, but you know, I, I don't want to hang that victim label on myself because that's what leads to you painting them as just a narcissist. That's all they are. And they're horrible and I'm wonderful and I'm the victim and, and I was victimized and so terrible. First of all, it's not true. I co-created the, the relationship. I attracted it into my life and now I know why right. and know how it served me. And because I didn't go down my spiral about it and didn't go, you know, hating on this person the way people do in these romantic entanglements right. that settled into friendship with him. And then all of a sudden, all these other people emerge and that would have never happened if I would have just cut it off with him. Uh, you know, the, the articles that you've got to just cut off all ties. Uh, don't yeah. talk to them. You've got to get away from them. I don't run from stuff like that. That makes yeah. me a victim. I'm not going to do that. And I only, did, and I don't have only, to. Only to keep attracting it. Exactly. If I run off feeling like a victim, I'm just going to stay in that cycle of attracting more things of like nature. Exactly. Yeah. I broke the cycle by appreciating the narcissist. And I see the guy all the time now. He's a good, he's a friend. We see each other. We laugh. We have a good time. I could care less. So it's not Trump? No, it's not. Okay. I just, I was, <laughs> no, I, I, I've never been I could, I can safely say I've never been attracted to nor infatuated with Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Just wondering. Yeah. Check, yeah. Check yeah. I, I, well, I always say that oh, he does check all of it. And then some, he's created some of his own boxes, I think. Um, <laughs> But you know he's he's entertaining to me. You know there are there are elements yeah. of him that are very uh, indicative of the law of attraction. Oh, I know yeah. Abraham used to speak you know of Donald Trump all the time. Oh, yeah. He always you know yeah, I'm the biggest, I'm the best, I'm the greatest there is, and he makes that so for himself. Yeah, he does. I did a, a right after the election uh, in 2016. You know that was right when I started my uh, podcast, and I did a Trump podcast, and it wasn't anti-Trump. And of right. I got some really negative feedback on it, but I said, you know, this dude's not bothering me that much. Here we are three years later. He's still not bothering me that much. I had to, I had to, um, it's so funny you say that. I, I was tapping on a lot of people uh, on my uh, clients who had a pr big problem with Trump too. And I was making a few posts about the idea of, you know, how people were so, well, a lot of people so scared and up in arms about it. So it's interesting yeah. that you said if you that think you he's going to ruin your life, he's going to ruin your life. And, and I see yeah. these, these friends of mine that post negative things about him all the time. And I'm not pro or negative anyone. I, I don't want yeah. anybody to think that I'm saying I'm a big Trump supporter. I'm not. <clears throat> but and I didn't vote for him. But 
these people that are so worried about Trump and oh my gosh, this is so wrong and I have to stop this. And these guys have great lives. Right. You know, they're here in Palm Springs. They have money. Right. They have beautiful homes. They're, they travel. They're happy, but they're really worried about saving the rest of the world from themselves or something along those lines. I and guess. spending their time and energy to focus on that aspect. Right. And, and they don't realize that they're bringing you know, negativity into their and it's, you're, They're free to do it. I don't tell them right. not to do it. It's certainly not my business to tell them how to live their lives, nor is it my place to try to hold them away from the contrast. Yeah. But I, I, I do wish that the people that I really care about would sort of take a breath with all of that and say, hey, you can participate in politics if you want. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Yeah. But when you're letting, my thing is, is, is this worth me going down my spiral over? Well, you know, it's funny. I just had a conversation with somebody <clears throat> about this and um i don't like to get into politics i don't like i don't i don't argue with people i don't like to get into any of that but and i don't usually talk about my view on it but um she said a few things and i said a few things and then i said okay here's how i look at it and here's the way i look at it is this our government on a macro level is like a person on a micro level and you know as a person sometimes we have to go through shit to have our reality mirror back to us. And, and when I say shit, you know, it could be negative. Mirror back to us uh, where, we're, where we're at and only to be able to, okay, so we can see that, hopefully work on that, process it and get to the next level and get, get through it. And I see our government and our political system as, as needing a lot of, and, and our government and our country as needing a lot of maybe things coming up to the surface so that we can look at it so we can get through it and, and past it. And Trump's, in my opinion, is helping shake stuff up, bringing stuff up to the surface, having people talking, looking at holding a mirror up to our, the, our political system, Republicans and Democrats, and, and that, and maybe things that could use some transformation and healing. Sure. And he's helping with all of that stuff. I, I said and, he's, he has forever disrupted the American presidency, and there was yeah. a lot of BS in that that he has highlighted now. And, and I'm hoping that we don't fall back into these same old patterns of, of having to have somebody that, first of all, is, is you know, some ideal of, of perfection as right. the president. People almost treat the presidency like a, a deity or a, a king. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just amazing to me when, when I see that. And the whole point of the United States was, you know, the founding fathers of the country wanted to get away from all that. And here we right. are treating, you know, families like, like royalty. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy, like a dynasty. And, and you know, we, we as a country, it was not supposed to be about that. And people like to be led, it seems. A lot of people do like to be led and they like to be told what to think and what to do. And that's, that's their contrast and it's their business. It's not the way I want to live my life. I want to be a free, independent thinker. You know, I don't think, I'm not that into politics at all anymore. I don't give it any power over my life. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at my belief system, it, it's not Democrat or Republican. Because I, I don't believe that you should, uh, you know, see some of the things that I see happening out there where you're singling out, uh, you know, different groups of people to and, and inciting really hate against them. You know, I don't like that. I don't want any part of that. There, there's nothing yeah. up the spiral or high vibration about, you know, uh, treating all Mexicans like criminals because they want to you know, come to a country and have a better life. If the situation were reversed, every single person that's against them would be fighting to come to the United States one way or another. Right. You know, when it's life or death. For you, you're going to take big risks to, to, to try to survive. 
and bring your family. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, and, and, and the fact that we have borders and walls and all this stuff is crazy to me to begin with. Right. Even, you know, it's just crazy. Um, by the same token, I also don't believe that government assistance, you know, is, is the way to really help people long term because yeah. eventually what you see is you're enabling sort of an underclass to be, yeah. to continue to be. Yeah. And law of attraction is at play there. When you tell people that they're weak and they're vulnerable and they're victims, and they need they're going help. to behave that way. Right. Yeah, they're going to behave that way. It's I would much rather say, you know, we're going to help you for this amount of time, but you need to get your act together, raise your vibration, and find your path out of this because right. you can. Well, that's that's what kind of the work that you and I are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I mean, enough, I about, so. enough about politics. I won't drag you any further yeah, into yeah. that. But I, you did touch on something that you're really into, which is faster EFT. So let's talk a little more about that and how that works in your spiritual practice and with law of attraction in general, which is the same okay. thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, law of attraction, I've been studying it for over 35 years um, through, through Abraham Hicks and, and then now others, now you and Gary and other people are, are channeling. And um, it's always just been, I guess, you know, my religion, I guess you what we call it um, my spiritual practice. And, and I've, like everyone else, you know, I've studied it, I've tried it, I've tried to manifest things, you know, oh, if I can, if I get what I believe, maybe I can eat anything I want and, and tell myself I'm not going to gain weight. You know, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, I, gave it. I mean, I maybe tried that like 15 years ago. But so, you know, that's part of the trying and like, oh, it's, you know, it's not working. How, you know, well, what, instead of saying it doesn't, it doesn't work. I'm saying, well, what am I, you know, so I wanted to master and really understand the law of attraction. And I would, I would get the, I got the tapes from Abraham Hicks um, two times a month for over 30 years, just to eat it up, devour that information. So that's kind of just been the foundation of, of what I wanted to learn about and master, empower myself. And if anyone's interested, they can, you know, self-empowerment is a huge thing. About, I love the idea of empowerment, self-empowerment. So then I'm also looking at other modalities of how to remo remove blocks of, of what we want. And I came across faster EFT maybe five or six years ago. I, actually, I came across EFT first and then faster EFT. So what is faster EFT? Well, EFT, you had mentioned earlier before <clears throat> uh, this, before we were recording, as far as the idea of it's acupuncture without the needles. So. The idea of EFT is when you, oh, well, so tapping, faster EFT tapping is tapping on certain spots they call meridian points on your face and with on your, your body. With your, with your index finger. and with uh, your pointing finger. Yeah, your index finger and your middle finger, right? Middle finger. Tooth. Right. And tapping. Yeah. With, so, right. Because there's people listening that have no clue what we're talking about. I know, so exactly. So, <laughs> really and now that. with faster EFT, actually faster EFT, even though it has EFT in the name, um, it's a whole different system created by Robert Gene Smith, and he uses, he's brought in different modalities, a lot of uh, the idea of trance work, hypnosis, um, some tapping, some neuroplasticity, how your mind works, how, how we can change the um, neural pathways in our, our brain, and NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. <clears throat> and so he created the system, and now we use like so for so the way it works is let's say i'll just give you a quick rundown and you can use it on yourself so let's say you're worried about something so 
it could be used on anything from big traumas in your life, major traumas, childhood traumas, to being worried about something, to improving your golf swing. So let's just say you're worried about something. And I'm going to teach you how to tap on yourself faster EFT style. We have you go into the worry of it and then take two fingers, tap between the eyebrows and say, you can say certain things, but for now to make it easy, just say, let it go. Tap between the eyebrows, let it go. Side of the eye, let it go. Under the eye, let it go. And then collarbone with your hand, let it go. Safe to let it go, things like that. You can say variations of let it go. Then you grab your wrist, take a deep breath, blow it out and say peace. Doesn't matter what side of the face you do it on. You can do it with both hands, both sides of your face. Doesn't matter if you miss the meridian points because here's what Robert Smith has learned is it's not about necessarily hitting the meridian points, number one. Number two, it works without tapping. If you understand how the brain works, he calls it mental mechanics. It's not necessarily about tapping. What it's about is breaking the trance of the worry or breaking it's changing the belief. Changing the belief and changing memories. So let's say I was in a car accident when I was 12 years old and it traumatized me. And since then, I've been kind of afraid to, to get behind the wheel, let's say. I don't know. I'm a little nervous about getting behind the wheel. So what we would do, if, if a client had that problem, he came to me and said, Mark, I want to deal with that. We would go back to that when he was 12 years old, that car accident. And we would say, see what you saw, feel what you felt, hear what you heard, see the glass breaking around you. What did you feel, the, the fear, whatnot. And when I have him go into that trance of the memory, because it's a trance because it's not happening now. So anytime you leave this current moment and you go into, you leave this current moment, you go into the past or the future, that's a trance. And then we say, then we start tapping. We have a lot of other tricks that we do, but let's just say the tapping is one of them. We are going from the memory to the trauma, to the pain, to the fear, to the sounds of the glass, to present moment. Let it go. Let it go. From the, from the memory, from the body, I mean, I'm sorry, from the mind to the body. And right there, you break the trance. And when yeah. you break the trance of a traumatic memory or any memory, what you're doing is you're you're relaxing yourself, you're relaxing your body. And when you have relaxation and we say different things, uh, you can say, it's okay now, you're not there anymore, things like that to soothe you. When you relax and soothe yourself, uh, people who understand the brain knows that you're adding that feeling to the memory and you're updating it and you're creating a new memory. So this is what neuroplasticians know. Uh, people who understand the brain know that memories aren't real. Every time you think about it, and depending on how you're feeling at the moment and the intention that you have, you're updating it with whatever feeling that is, creating a new memory. Mm -hmm. So we're dissipating the trauma, the negative feelings of it by doing little tricks, tapping, interrupting the trance, soothing yourself, maybe saying a joke, maybe having them think of something else, going to a happy memory, then going back and forth, in and out of the trauma, back into tapping or a happy memory, so that you do it enough times, the, the person I'm working with, with will go back to that memory when he's 12 years old, and he says, I know it happened, but it can't, it can't bother me. I can't hear it, and because we do things with sound, we do things with, with uh, images, 
We do things with kinesthetic feelings. We do things with taste and smell. These are the different ways that people hold on to memories. And we, we do that enough so that that can't bother them. And when you, you said beliefs, you're correct because we get our, our beliefs oftentimes from memories. So maybe, maybe he had one belief is, I'm not safe in a car. It's not safe to be out there in a car. As we dissipate that memory and change it, tap it down, we call it tap it down to a zero. So if it was bothering him zero to 10, at a 10 level, we get it down to a zero. It's neutral now. It's not bothering him. Those beliefs that are attached to that memory are changed automatically. Then what we do is we have them rewrite, the, rewrite what happened because the idea is that he's making it up anyway. It's not happening. He's not in a car accident. It happened when he was 12 years old. When he goes into his mind, he imagines it and makes it up. So the fact that he can make that up means that he can make up anything he wants. So it doesn't change what happened. We're not trying to change what actually happened. We're changing on how we, we hold on to what happened. So it's a long way of me saying this is just a tool to allow the law of attraction to work in our lives. People always say, change the story. Change the story of your life. Change what you keep telling yourself. This is just an amazing, the fastest tool I've ever found to be able to start to change the stories of our lives, change the beliefs, the limiting beliefs that, that limit us, and not only change them to negativity, but add positivity you know, to it. So if you had an incident where you went up and you talked in front of people and you were really ridiculed and embarrassed, we're going to change it after we tap it down to a zero, we're going to change it to, you're the best speaker ever, you know? And, <clears throat> and so then you're living from that feeling, if you do it right. And then we have people practice the new rewrites. It's an amazing, amazing, powerful tool. And when you're living from, when you're rewriting some of these things that have happened to you and change them to positivity and rewrite them and then practice them, then you're, you're attracting and you're living from a whole different place. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we do in boot camp. We don't uh, specifically employ EFT, though it's certainly an option. Faster EFT. One of the, what we're faster EFT, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> say it right. And I do want to get into the difference between the two because there is. Okay. So what we do is we get into a detuning process of uh, transgressors. And transgressors are any unwanted person, circumstance, or event, present or past in your life that presents themselves really as abundance blocks. And we go back to the biggest, earliest ones that are essentially the root causes of all of the branch abundance blocks that we have in our lives. Usually there's one or two, three little things that happen in early childhood that set us off in these negative uh, directions. And then these things just branch out into all these other areas. And then suddenly we manifest something that's, that's certainly more substantial that then we hold on to as concrete evidence of our limiting beliefs. Exactly. We call them proofs. Proof, right. That prove that. And, you know, but wait, you don't understand. This happened to me before. You, this is what it is. And I always use, and I think the stream even used, uh, in fact, I know they did in my book, uh, the example of two siblings that grow up in the same household one year apart, and they had the same parents, they went to the same school, the same economic situation, the same health and all that, and they grow up and tell very opposite stories of their childhood. Right. And you almost think, how did you even live in the same house? It happens all the time. My brother and I, four years apart, we grew up in a you know, two-bedroom apartment with our mother, and my experience with my mother was very different than his experience and recollection of our mother. 
you know, he's, he's choosing to believe a very loving woman who did the very best she could. I, I remember a woman that told me to kill myself when I was a teenager, you know, and then yeah. she never wanted me. She never wanted him either. So, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're clinging to this version that, that was, you know, the, our memory of her. And when I finally detuned her after her death, and I, you know, the little secret there, it is easier to detune people after they're gone. Right. <laughs> but, you know, after their death, I could make her life whatever I wanted it to be. I love it. Because she's gone now. She's, she's crossed back into non-physical and she's existing in a stream of pure positive energy. So that's how she exists now. But as a human, she, she had her human flaws like we all do. And she lived her life down the spiral. I, I remember very little up the spiral with her. She was very pessimistic, very uh, regretful of her life through her entire life and, right. and had a very uh, uh, the type of demise that none of us would want uh, from a serious illness. So what I finally found appreciation of her is when I started experiencing her in her now state. And I experienced that by, by dreaming about her as I knew she would have loved to have been a, as a human being and never was. Perfect. The happy version of her that I never got to know. And Perfect. now that's how I know her. And, and it's just a wonderful thing. And now that I've detuned her, all of the negativity that comes along with being, you know, sort of hated and abandoned by your mother, right. all of that self-hatred, unworthiness crap is gone out of my life. Exactly. And that's, people ask me how I lost a hundred pounds. There's a secret right there, detuning my mother and that self-hatred that I had for myself. You know, my, my 300 pound body was just an example of how I felt about myself on the inside. Let's say this the world. Is this is amazing. So say, say that, let's say this again, this is really huge. As you detuned your mom, you actually changed your past. You changed all yeah. the things that were attached to your mom. Yeah. I, I use those stories to recount just to tell people where I came from that I, you know, but I don't relive the her telling me to kill myself. I don't relive her, you know, hanging up on me when I told her I was gay. I never spoke to her again for the rest of her life. All that stuff happened, but I can tell it from a very high vibrational place now because I use it to teach. I used it to ultimately to serve me in my life. Yes. And I don't remember, I don't sit and stew over the negativity of it. I understand where she was coming from, how her perspective was developed of all of that. And it's, it's sad. I'm sad for her at worst. I'm sad for her that that was her life experience. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I really understood law of attraction. I had a good spiritual connection with the stream early on. I was always a weird kid that didn't really play in, you know, other childhood things. I always felt older than I was. I always had this knowing that came to me uh, that helped me survive that, that childhood. And I remember when I got a little older and she would start doing her negative stuff toward me, I would stop and say, that's not true. I'm, I'm not stupid. I know you think you are, but I'm not. And, you know, when she told me one time that she didn't want me, she never wished, she wished I was never born. I said, oh, well, well, I was, and here I am, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, but still there were elements of that that I, I carried with me. Uh, and when I got into adulthood, it really became disruptive in my life. And I really started to dislike myself. My late twenties through my thirties, I didn't like me very much. I didn't like the directions that my life manifested. And I think the reason I was so unsatisfied with it is I knew that there was so much more available to me that I wasn't allowing. And, and my, the, the negative aspects of my life, and there were many, were examples of my disallowing what I really wanted, which is, you know, while we're all, anybody that's stressed out or angry or upset or depressed, it's disallowing. You're, you're, you're experiencing that because you're disallowing your true desires. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love what you said. And it's really, it's really interesting how 
when you when you detuned your mom, it also dissipated all those things that were attached to that experience. And you're now you're living from a different place. Yeah, you detune it's, the root and the branches wither away. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this message about Taya Boot Camp. Now I'm like deliriously happy. People will look at me strangely. The best thing ever is that I've always dreamed of this kind of life. And um, now I am living it. I'm creating it. And it's not a dream anymore. It's reality. I'm human and I'm going to be here a long time. I plan on it. And there's going to be lots of obstacles. But now I know how to meet those obstacles. And I know how to live in joy and let go of all these things that held me back from living this beautiful life I've always dreamed of. And it's amazing how rapidly those things start showing up once you practice Taya. It just has completely changed my world. It's amazing. Taya is a spiritual practice that I co-created with The Stream, a group of non-physical entities that I channel entities that have been coming to me my entire life with a profound eternal message based in universal law. This spiritual practice brings a life of joy, clarity, and abundance, and I now teach it to people all over the world. Aya Bootcamp is specifically designed for those who are ready to bring big, lasting changes to their lives. In Taya Bootcamp, you learn the Taya spiritual practice, a practice that if you so choose, you will use for the rest of your life. It's not about religion, it's not about judgment. It's not about rules or anything like that. It is a spiritual practice of meditation, forgiveness, source connection, the setting of positive intentions, and actually understanding your virtual vibrational spiral, understanding how to control your vibration, thus controlling the things that are coming into your life. So if you want to create your own bubble of reality intentionally, having more of the things that you want coming into your life and less of the things you don't want, if you want to see your world from the highest perspective, one where you understand the nature of positive and negative, where you no longer fear anything, where you are in such a state of trust that you know the universe is going to deliver everything that you want. If you're ready for that, then you're ready for Taya Bootcamp. What would you have to say to anyone who's interested in joining Taya Bootcamp? Do it. <laughs> Jump in. Put fear away. Honestly, it's the best thing I have ever done for myself in my life. One thing I wanted to mention as far as how, how this thing works is I just wanted to make sure I added this part too, is that when we go to a memory with mom or, or an accident in the car and we go we remember it and we feel the, let's say mom's look and the, things that she, the thing that she said to me, <clears throat> and we remember how she looked on her face and we remember how we felt when she said that. Um, when we do that, when you recall that, your neural pathways are connected to specific things of, of feeling of, uh, of different parts of your brains where you're, you're seeing it and you're re-experiencing it in your brain. When we tap, we are changing the neural pathway connections to that. And you do it enough times, in and out, in and out, you're, you're rewiring what's those connections so that you can see your mom. And again, you, do, you don't have to necessarily have that feeling then we can also change the expression of your mom's face from um, a non-accepting look to a smile. 
but we do that at the end. We do that to make sure first we dissipate the, the negative aspects of it. And we can change actually what she said to you too. We change at the end, we change what she's saying to you. She, you want to hear what you want to hear from mom, you know? So, so, uh, and again, it's all about the brain and how our brains wired to like you were talking about before how an experience can happen and a brother, two brothers can experience the same thing in different ways because I record it in my way and he records it in his way. So how we're recording things <clears throat> through uh, images, auditory, kinesthetics, taste and smell, uh, and our different aspects of what we, the way we record things, we can re-record it and change it. That's pretty, pretty cool stuff. But it's, it's what you're doing, same thing with, with, with your work. It's just another tool to, uh, to, because we attract what we hold inside, right? Yes. So Robert Smith says that Robert Gene Smith is very much in the law of attraction and, and how this works with this tool. And that's why I'm all about the law of attraction and this faster EFT, or it's also called eutaptics, as a combination of understanding the law of attraction and using this really pretty powerful, fast tool to uh, start to have a, a pretty magical life. Not without things that happen that we're not worried about when they do, right? But, yeah, well, I always say that. Yeah, my life is pretty damn good with all of this. Yeah. And I, I, you know, t I, I, I try to listen to the stream as much as I can. Right. I get stubborn sometimes and ignore them. I go down my spiral and, and don't want any part of it for a minute. <clears throat> and I manifest unwanted things when I do that. And, and there is purpose in our unwanted manifestation. So I'm not afraid of negative anymore. I'm not afraid of obstacles anymore. And that's the biggest shift in my life is living without fear of your obstacles. Fear creeps back in. But now when I get fearful, I've gotten myself into such a manifestational state that the universe will send me very fast evidence that I'm out of alignment. It's faster than ever. If I want to practice Taya and be up my spiral most of the time and set positive intention for my life, that is my true intention. So when I deviate from that, I'm going to get that little warning light that goes off from the universe that, hey, no, you don't get to do this. Right. It's showing how powerful you are. It, it's part of raising your vibration on an on a, uh, ongoing basis. Your, your new low was your old high. Right. So when your new low is your old high, and you dip down, you get negative faster, but not right. as often. But the faster negative is usually something that's not that big of a deal that just shows you that you're out of alignment. Yeah, a little message. We have to appreciate those little things because if we ignore those little things, we're going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger signs up, up until we get something that's major in our lives. And that yeah. doesn't have to be. We just yeah. have to be mindful of our vibration. And the more we intend be up the spiral the more that we intend to manifest intentionally then when we're not doing that we're, we're going to get a quick sign and that is a gift from the universe it is and I, I like you know the idea of seeing these as gifts from the universe to me that's next level to me um i love talking about this because to me this is the message like i find this message i, I find myself in my work uh in in different ways spreading this message talking about this more and more and more and I think there's, it, this is the, it's a good place uh, in, in, you know, law of attraction 2.0. I don't know what you, I, I want to know how you define law of attraction 2.0. But to me, this is, you know, from my not understanding of how you define law of attraction 2.0, to me, this is law of attraction 2.0. This is uh, advanced high level law of attraction kind of thinking. 
and it's it's something to work towards and practice and super important. So how do you define Law of Attraction 2.0? So Law of Attraction 2.0 to me is, and I think we were talking about this earlier, you know, the book, The Secret came along and showed the world that we do indeed create our own reality and turned a lot of people onto that. And it was kind of a simplistic version and it was beautiful in its simplicity because if you got all into 2.0 stuff with people right off the bat, it would probably be way too much information, get frustrated with it. They would say, this is all a bunch of junk. I'm not going to pay any attention, which a lot of people do anyway with law of attraction. They don't, they, they, they get in and try to quote unquote, like you said earlier, use the law of attraction and it doesn't work and they decide it's not real. It's a bunch of BS and they forget all about it. And then they, then they still realize though, that there are, everybody has evidence, you know, that there are little things in their lives like, wow, I did attract that. Right. Or they'll claim their positive attraction and not want to claim their negative right. attraction, which yeah. is very, very common. Yeah. So 2.0 is really getting beyond the idea that you're just going to sit on your ass on your sofa and manifest everything that you want. <laughs> yeah. Because nobody does that. No. You know, I saw the movie, The Secret, and the movie sort of gave this idea that you could sit and dream of a red bike and the red bike just magically appears in front of your house. Well, I will tell you that I tried that with a Bentley and the Bentley never showed up. <laughs> I never did. I still want that that midnight blue Bentley just as clear as day. I still want it to show up in the damn Keep thing. Keep trying. 2.0 is understanding that yes, we can have or be or do anything that we want, that we are limitless and we only limit ourselves. But there is value in the negative. There's value in the down the spiral. There time. you go. There's value in the obstacles. Exactly. And the obstacles are there to inspire new creation. And if all we did was sit on our ass all day and, and manifest Bentleys, life would not be very satisfying. You know, if every single person had a Bentley and all you were doing was driving around in a town full of Bentleys all day long, your Bentley wouldn't be special anymore. You'd have yes. to have something else, something bigger and something better. You know, I was thinking the other day, um, uh, a basic car today was yesterday's luxury car. Right. You know, I, I drove uh, uh, Michael's car last night and he doesn't drive a Mercedes. He drives a Hyundai <laughs> and his Hyundai has automatic headlights. He didn't know that. He told me to turn the lights off in his car. I'm like, I put them on automatic. What are you talking about? You have auto light. He didn't know he had auto lights in his car. I said, they they'll go off automatically just like in my car. He goes, really? I said, yeah, you've got power windows. You've got, you know, satellite radio. You've got a backup camera. You've got automatic headlights. You've got stuff that, you know, Cadillacs had when I was a kid, right? You know, it, it, that's what the rich people had in their cars. Well, to, that's like your, 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 you know, new lows, your old high, right? Yeah. That, that's how things have progressed in this world that we, we want more and we evolve toward more. And of course, a Hyundai today, a new Hyundai cost as much as a Cadillac did in the eighties. Interesting. You know, I yeah. remember my friends in the eighties uh, bought a brand new Cadillac Eldorado and it was one of the nicest, you know, probably the most expensive American car on the market at the time. And I think it was thirty thousand dollars. I remember thinking, "Wow, a thirty thousand dollar car! Wow." Well, yeah. you know, loaded Accord is what thirty grand or plus now, right? <laughs> right. So you know, that's it's just funny how that's that's the sign of evolution and expansion. Yeah, that we have expanded our expectations as humanity. Uh, you know, I know somebody that's building a new house, and it's kind of just what you would consider a middle class neighborhood, but a middle class house today is four bedrooms and three bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Where a middle-class house, you know, when I was a kid, it was three bedrooms, two bathrooms, or two bedrooms and a bath and a house, or something like that. Right. How things have expanded. Yes. My mother grew up, and she was her family was middle-class. They grew up in a two-bedroom house with one bathroom. Four people shared one bathroom. Right. And that's just how they were. Today, 
you know, if four, a family of four is sharing one bathroom, they're living in poverty. You know, that's right. Yeah. My mother's family was middle class. They both were entrepreneurs. They had their own businesses. You know, they were comfortable at one bathroom in their house. And that's just how mm. things were back then. Now yes. you gotta have a bathroom for every person plus guests in your house. Right. Right. So that just the, the idea that, that, you know, the world is on the wrong path and that we're in this horrible state and the country's going down the drain or the, whatever, all these negative things that you hear, you can look at things and choose to believe that, or you can look at the expansion of humanity as a whole and how our, our technology is expanding and how our belief systems are expanding and how we're all coming to question things that we've all, previous generations just believed what they were told to believe. Right. And, and today we're all questioning and millennials more than anyone are questioning everything. And we look at them and think they're lazy and, and all right. these things, but I used to live in a building. Uh, I lived in in in, uh, in San Francisco. Um, gosh, what was that neighborhood called? Recon Hill. It was right by the financial district. Uh, right when you come in the Bay Bridge, those new high rises that are built okay. in San Francisco. I lived in one of those new high rises, a forty-two oh. story high rise, and it was. You must have had a great view. Oh, uh, the people in the back of the building had a view. I had a view of the city. The people in the back of the building had a view of the bridge. It was magnificent, but that was a $10,000 a month, one bedroom apartments. <laughs> I was only paying 6,000 for my one bedroom in San Francisco. So I was you know, on the poor side of the building. So, but that to the point of the story is, this is a building where the cheapest uh, studio was like $4,500 a month for a studio mm -hmm. because you're in downtown San Francisco. And it was all techie and it was all young. I, I was the only, uh, there was a handful of Gen Xers in the building, maybe a baby boomer or two. It was a millennial building, mm -hmm. 400 you know, something apartments of all millennials, all techie people living in this super nice, you know, luxury high rise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would watch them and they, they would, you know, be downstairs all day out by the pool in their pajamas on their, you know, Mac. And are they, there was lots of business centers because everybody in the building was an entrepreneur. You know, everybody right. was in a startup. Everybody was starting some business where they worked for Twitter or, or you know, somebody like that. And they just played all day. Right. And I know a yeah. lot of Gen Xers and baby boomers look at them and think, oh, they're so listless and they're so lazy. Right. You know, here they are making money. They're doing things their way. They're not, yeah. they're not living by the rules. They're not right. caring about politics. They're not caring about religion. They're not letting the government tell them where they can live. They're all living in, you know, moving all over to different countries. Very different than, than I, you know, I was at that age, you know. Yeah. And they're not needing the security. They're born up to speed with now. Right. You know, they are born up to speed with how things are now. And this, I think, the new, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I think our generation, what we would do is we'd, let's say we'd go into a job and we would settle for things and we would sacrifice and we would stay there for a long time and we would pay our dues. And when we see a young person not willing to do that, uh, we're a little envious and we get mad and we call them lazy and whatever we call them, you know, well, a little bit of that is jealousy. <laughs> sure it is. Well, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and my older brother has worked for the same company. Um, he, he is, he, he went to work for them in his twenties, you know, almost right out of college. He's worked for the same company his entire career. My sister uh, is a, an attorney. She graduated law school, went to work at a company is still at the same company. I worked for the same company for 20 years until I finally decided, hell, these millennials are onto something. I'm going to go do what I love all day long and make a living. And here I am. That's Here right. I am doing it. So I was inspired by them. So, right. hey, I don't have to do, you know, I'm going, I'm in this damn suit going to driving off to something to do something I don't want to do. With That's right. People I don't want to be around all day. I don't have to do that. I can manifest my life just fine doing things that actually make me happy that help other people in a meaningful way. 
Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So back to uh, the, the difference between EFT and faster EFT, other than being yeah. faster. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, um, so again, uh, Robert Smith started with, he, he started with EFT, but his idea is, you know, how do we have problems and how do we get through them? So he's a genius when it comes to studying the brain and how it works. It really is. I don't use that term lightly. Um, and I scrutinize. I've, I've tried different modalities, so many different modalities, different people. And I don't just, I don't just take something that something is said to me and just believe it. You know, I scrutinize and I study it. And if it makes sense to me, I'm with it. If it doesn't, I move on. It's kind of like religion. Some cool things about Christianity, what Jesus said. I, I dig that what Jesus said, you know, turn the other cheek. I like that. Some other heavier stuff, maybe in the Old Testament, I don't dig. I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to that. So anyway, so, so Robert Smith used to use EFT. And he, again, he studied NLP, he studied the brain, and he studied hypnosis, how we are into trances and the law of attraction. And he created his own system, like I mentioned before. And it has a belief system un underneath it. And uh, it's different than the belief system underneath EFT. And he explains that better as far as the belief system. He says that we're not broken. We're just doing something successfully that might be something we don't want. We're not broken. And <clears throat> this idea of when we, the EFT maybe has an idea of when we're tapping, we're releasing blocked energy. And he would, he would say that we're not releasing blocked energy. Energy really isn't blocked. So it's a different mindset. It's a different belief system underneath it. And again, the idea of breaking the trance and rewriting memories is what we do in, with faster EFT. They don't really do that with EFT. We have diff, we have less tapping points on our body. So um, again, so between the eyebrow, side of the eye, under the eye, collarbone, uh, and then we do that again between the eyebrow, side of the eye. That's a lot less tapping points than uh, EFT. And so it has faster EFT in the name because that's what Robert thought of it, it was when he created it and put it together. But um, <clears throat> And the EFT is great and it, EFT works for a lot of people. I used to use EFT and it worked. That's why I got excited and that's how I found faster EFT. And we just think uh, the faster EFT, it includes the benefits of EFT. I love one thing, what they say in EFT is, you know, even though I have this problem, right? Even though this, even though I yelled at my wife yesterday, I 100% uh, completely and what is this? I completely and fully love and accept myself. I love that as a affirmation. So there's a lot of cool points with EFT. I don't want to, you know, and it's works. It works for a lot of people. And we just think this faster EFT does what, what it does and does a lot more. Also. Well, it's an evolution of, and everything is evolutionary. And we talk about the, the Abraham message and can try to compare it to the stream or Joshua and the Abraham message is perfection. And, and, and now we have the stream and we have Joshua and there's some others up there I'm sure that I'm not aware of that, that are kind of taking those teachings and going further with. Yes. You know, the last thing, and Gary and I uh, concur on this, that, you know, neither one of us wanted to just regurgitate Abraham because there's no point in that. Abraham's already there and it's wonderful. That's right. I love it. It's great. We wanted to do what's next, what's more. That's why I went to Law of Attraction 2.0 
let's go a little deeper with this. Let's appreciate negative. Let's go to the higher perspective and understand why positive and negative exist in the world and why positive and negative exist in our lives and how it actually serves a purpose. Let's get there and let's really not be so frustrated with not having every little sing single thing that we want to manifest exactly when we want it. That if we really kind of step back and let the universe delight us, it will. And, and the delighting is a co-creation. You know, it's not just us ordering up every single thing that we want all the time. It's really more of a general vibe of well-being. Mm. And that's what I'm really into these days, Mark. It's just a general vibe of well-being. That general I don't need to get so specific about I need to order up money. I need to order up where I want to live. You know, I, I look at my life and it's never perfect. There's right. always something that's going, and I always share all that, you know, whether it's my car being shut up or money not flowing the way that I want it to, yeah. being infatuated with some guy, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, there's never a state of perfection that I'm in, but right. I step back and look at my life and think, oh my God, you know, I've got the best body of my life at 51. I'm in the best health I've ever been in. I'm living exactly in the place that I want to live on the entire planet. You know, I, I live in a beautiful home. I, you know, have all these wonderful people that are my friends now. I have a love of my life. My life is really good, really, really good, but it's not perfect. There's things that still can take me down my spiral and there's things that I'm still overcoming and manifesting and working on. And that's called being human because we are here as human beings to experience positive and negative. That's what contrast is. It's both. It's positive and negative. We are here to find our paths to joy and, and, have, and live a life of freedom but we're also here to place and overcome obstacles and we create new things in our life and for the world in overcoming our obstacles. That's 2.0 right there. You right. know, and so everything is evolutionary and, and faster EFT sounds like it's an evolution of the original EFT and there'll be something more next. There's always something more. And if you look at channeling, Abraham took from Seth, you know, Jane Robertson, the Seth message and what I, what I really appreciate Esther for doing and Jerry was making it more palatable for Absolutely. the masses because the message from Seth was, was wonderful, but I think it freaked so many people out that they turned it off before they opened themselves up to it and it didn't reach as many people. Well, then Esther comes along in the beginning, it was, you know, it was a little mm -hmm. worse and rough and then she relaxed into it. Well, yeah. what happened for me is that when I, realized that I had a similar knowledge coming to me and set the intention to start sharing it first in writing and then, uh, then verbally, I started out kind of stiff and forced. If you listen to my very first podcast oh, in 2017, it's rough. Oh uh, yeah. And it's gotten so much better now to where you, you, there's little difference between me and there's some, but there's little difference between me and the stream. Yeah. And I, I think people can tap into it. Uh, no pun intended. And and really not be so turned off by it or not even understand what they're seeing sometimes right for the broader audience that's vibrationally ready for it it really serves them on a higher level because it's just it's just a dude talking really is right. what they're seeing and wow this information really makes sense it really that's resonates and then they yeah. fall into it and then they're really paying attention and it's starting to change their lives and not a day goes by that i don't hear from somebody that's telling me how it's changed their lives and that's very satisfying Totally. You know, so much I, more than selling furniture. A little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> a little more satisfying than we sold another dinette set today. But nothing against anyone who's selling furniture. <laughs> no, I did. You know, I was in that business for 25 years. I'm just being a oh, gotcha. I was in that business for 25 years and there were elements of it that I really enjoyed. Sure. 
and that was uh, fine for you then. And it was fine for me then. And you know, I helped people make a lot of money doing that. The commission salespeople in that industry oh, okay. uh, can do well. I had a, a there was a woman working for me in Vancouver making over half a million dollars a year selling furniture. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, five hundred k. Well, when we finish this podcast, I'm going to look into that because yeah, look wanna... into selling furniture. She yeah. was good. She was really good at what she did. There was no, you know, there's more to the story there, but she was. She was. She was making half a million dollars. I can. I think I can be good at it too. Yeah. If I really believe in myself and tap on any. If you tap on it, you're going to tap, tap your on way it. to selling lots of sofas. <laughs> right. Lots and lots of sofas. I like what you said about the evolution of, you know, like you're talking. When I think of people like you and Gary, and when you guys channel. You guys sound like you said, you sound like yourselves. Now, I don't know if you ever heard Seth. When I I really ate up the Seth stuff too. I read all the books. And there's actually tapes. You can actually hear what Seth sounded like. And that shit was scary, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. Yeah, it would have if I had experienced because I was told I was a channel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that was her, that she was coming from her paradigm of what she was getting, this otherworldly right. stuff, and that that that's how she let it flow. And then so I was told that I was a channel and to pay attention to Abraham. And I, you've right. probably heard the story. I know everyone that listens has heard it. And I thought Abraham sounded biblical. Right. And so it turned me off. I didn't want, you know, it sounded like oh. Old Testament to me. And I thought, oh, that's religion. I don't want to get into religion. Give me the name Abraham. The name Abraham was a big right. turn off. So I ignored it for years until I couldn't oh, wow. ignore it anymore. I have the whole story of how it really just kind of, you know, presented itself to me in such a way that I could no longer ignore it. And then when I did, it really resonated. But I listened at first to the original tapes from 1988. She sounded way different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Very. those original tapes are, are great because there's a lot of, of golden information in there. But it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. evolved from there. Absolutely. I, the I, eternal. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say the eternal laws have not evolved. They are eternal laws. But right. the way we utilize them as humanity has certainly evolved since then. And that's what law of attraction 2.0 is, is the evolution of all of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool to think of it that way, but you're, and also the idea of being a channel is not so out there. And it, <clears throat> I remember watching uh, this, you know, J Gary's group, the friends of Joshua group on Facebook. And we had so many people, a group of us. And in that group, there's a lot of people who wanted to be a channel. And Gary was so cool. And the idea from Joshua is, was so cool as far as saying everyone, anyone can do it and everyone does it all the time and you can do it. And he really um, emphasized and um, just, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the word, but he really talked people into the idea that you can do it. Anybody can do it. And then from that, a couple of years later, there's so many different people who are channeling now from that, that group. You know, yeah. we have Astrid and we have Wendy and they're channeling now and they're doing what, you know, Gary and you started off with. And it's just so amazing, this idea of the evolution of, of that and the separation from us and our, our inner self or the universe, the wisdom of the universe, and that there's not that much of a separation, you know, and, and the more we accept that and the more we live in our, as our authentic higher self, the less and less of that separation it, there's going to be. Well, and the stream says they, they flow through all creation. And, and so they're part of everyone and everyone's part of them and it's available to all. And right. I did a podcast once about, you know, everyone can be a channel. And then the stream sort of came through and said, make sure you're being very clear about what that means for people, because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know what they're getting into 
when they're you know going to allow this this to flow and are they really ready for it and, and there mm -hmm. needs to be intentionality behind it not just oh that's so cool i'm just going to channel now you know it's it, it's more about letting your intuition flow to you mm -hmm. and deciding if you want to speak it and that if you want to speak it deciding if you want to share it and then if you want to share it making sure that your intentions are, are behind what that's going to do because you know i i gave up some things to share this message you know, I mean, my aunt Brenda came on Facebook and told me I was going to burn in hell and disconnect it from me. And I'm sure I'll never speak to her again. Oh, you know, things like that will happen when you start doing stuff like this. But I was fine with it. I, I, I made the agreement that I don't care if I upset somebody, you know, because I know it's coming from a pure place of love. And the only people that are going to be upset by it are the people that are standing sort of in a victim space. Mm -hmm. I would love to see everybody get out of their victim space because it's only going to serve them to do it. Uh, you know, if somebody in another country, another culture was really offended by, I could be killed for this, you know? Right. And I'm very appreciative that I live in a country where I can do this freely and, and no one's going to come arrest me for it because that's yeah. very real in some places. So, you know, I, I stepped it back a little bit, just saying, you know, if you, depending on where you live, you want to, right. you know, think about how you, you share this with the world. I really got myself ready to share it with the world. And yeah, they've even right. said that, you know, for Gary and I, we, we sort of both have, um, well, we don't sort of, we both have very healthy egos, both of us. Mm. And the stream has said that, you know, as humanity, our egos do serve us. And, and the reason that we're able to share this the way that we are, our ego is part of it. Right. If you're going to get up in front of, you know, a world stage and say, I'm channeling eternal wisdom. Your ego has to allow you to believe it and know it and share it and stand by it or it's not going to come. It's not going to flow. Interesting because so, the, you know, Gary's Gary's story is that he's done a lot of things in his past where he's talked in front of people and he's ran these businesses. And now when he gets up in front of people and talks, it's natural for him. Like in other words, his life, the things that he did before kind of led him to where he is now. And sure. some of the things that you've talked about your past, uh, maybe hardships with your mom and the struggles and the challenges you went through, and your own <clears throat> your own experience in this has given you this confidence and this ability to be able to not give a shit when anybody thinks and and then now you're going to talk from that empowerment and you're going to share from that empowerment of course it's an evolution it's and it's something to keep reaching forward reaching for but um it's just interesting how our pasts and this is what we're talking about we're talking about when things happen that seem negative or they they seem like unwanted and in time and J joshua would say you know in the time perspective you're going to look back and you're going to say oh i see why i went through that i see the gift in that so we don't have to wait for that we don't have to wait for time to go by now we can try to have and practice that attitude now when things happen to us now but it's cool to look back at, at your life and to see how like there's kind of a you know like you know, David Strickle probably knew that you were going to be a channel. You're going to help people and you're going to share this message and your life and your past was be the way it was so that it would create who you are now to be able to do this. I think so. I think there was a, a soul. In fact, I know there was a soul intentionality for me to come and teach. And I, I look back at my childhood and how different I felt. Yeah. Uh, you know, the entire time I was a child, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. You know, like, right. where, why am I on this planet? You know, what, what is this? I'm not one of these, these people that are around me. It's so different. Well, that's because the intentionality was different. And I, and I placed all these obstacles in my path 
to overcome these things and experiencing them, experience them. And it took me a long time to get to this. I didn't, you know, come out as a channel until I was 49 years old and really start teaching it. I didn't start boot camp until I was 50. So, you know, it's, it's considered by some a little late in life, but I have all of that life experience to draw upon now. You know, and I, yes. I, whenever I talk to somebody that's having a lot of trouble in their life, I've been there. Right. I've been addicted to painkillers and I've been overweight and I've been in a bad relationship and I've had abusive situations and, you know, distant parents and abandonment and all that stuff. Not every single thing, but I've had a lot. Right. And so I can really empathize with that. And if I hadn't had all of that life experience, I don't think I would be the teacher and coach that I am today. I was joking um, on a show the other day about somebody, she was on a TV show, sort of a reality TV show, and, and she's really into law of attraction. Somebody was telling me about her. And so I looked her up on Instagram and she's 20, 21 years old and she's a life coach. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's, that's really cool that you could be a life coach at 2021 when you haven't really even lived a whole lot of life yet because uh -huh. you know, your twenties are so transformative. I kind of think you're, you're still <laughs> a, a pup until you kind of get through that, that age group right. and you really start to change and, and the world, you know, knocks you around a little bit. I hate to, to sound the, so yeah. cynical about it, but you know, the, the, these commencement speeches that you hear from these kids, you know, they're just going to set the world on fire. And I, again, I don't want to be so cynical about it, but you're just always looking at that as an adult thinking, oh yeah, get out there let the world, kick you around a little bit and, and see how you, you know, let's, let's look at you at 40, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you're on your second marriage and you've kicked alcoholism and you've been fired from a couple of jobs, and, you know, right. let's look at you after some, some war wounds and see, see how you're doing. Hopefully you're doing great. Because you have two choices with all that stuff. And they're going to have less war, war wounds than we've had, aren't they? Probably. Probably. They're, they're getting it more. I mean, again, everybody is born up to speed for the time they're born into. So there's yeah. wisdom. You know, there's certainly wisdom in age. Older people right. certainly have things to teach younger people. Absolutely. But there's right. wisdom in youth, too, because they're born up to speed. That's yes. why, you know, the stream always use the example of, you know, a little kid that walks over to his grandmother's purse and shows her how to use her phone. Mm -hmm. just knows right out of the gate how to, how to use technology because that is now. And, yeah. and these kids that are born now are born up to speed with now. We weren't born up to speed with smartphones. We had to learn that. Right. There are people that are older than us that can't get it. It's yeah. too, the technology is too far away from them. And, you know, it's just an interesting sign, but it, it's, it's also a sign of the cycle of life that we didn't come here intending to be here forever. Right. This idea of living to, you know, to be 200 years old or 150 or whatever whatever it is, we, we didn't intend that. Yeah. We intend to come and have a life experience and return to our completed state and do it all over again infinitely. You know, I, you know, talk about the wisdom of, of even kids. I mean, I've always, my whole life, I've always looked at kids and learned from them and wanted to be like them um, and try to be more childlike uh, in lots of ways. Um, I went to a memorial yesterday with a good friend of mine and so many different speakers, people spoke about who passed away. And the adults, when they spoke, it was one thing. But when the younger, you know, 13-year-old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, when they talked, there's such more of an authentic, uh, less self-conscious, more spontaneous and natural message that comes from them that I want to try to retain as much as I can. Yeah, they haven't learned all the fear. Right. And you just, you know, you can get older, you can get jaded, and you and you can have this armor that you kind of create, you can create. And, uh, you know, the work we do, hopefully we learn how to 
take off the armor and to, to be more authentic, our authentic selves. Yeah, so I, I definitely see the value in youth in that they haven't learned to be so damn fearful of everything yet. And they haven't, you know, they haven't, so the wisdom of youth is exactly that, that they yes. still get it. Life is supposed to be fun and free and easy. And then we stick them in school and teach them all this crap that doesn't really serve them and, right. and make them fearful and, you know, try to put them into a, a system where they're moving through life through a little maze of, of this is what you're supposed to do. And I, I see millennials now breaking out of that maze more and more and more. And I, to some extent I did. Uh, when I was young, I didn't really like school. I kind of went out and got the things that I, I was curious. But I didn't like the structure of school, and I was not a good student. And I ended up uh, not even graduating high school. I went and got a GED and started my own business. Wow. I was very entrepreneurial right off the bat. And then I let some fear creep in and needed this, the, uh, the idea of security because I had an unsuccessful business and I didn't have any, you know, parents or trust fund to fall back on. So like a lot of entrepreneurs seem to have these days mm -hmm. and I didn't have that. So I had to go find a job. I wanted to live sort of a middle-class younger lifestyle. It's what I wanted at the time. Right. So I went and got a job and then I got into that corporate system and, you know, you got to work, work, work and get promoted and move up, move up, take every move, take every promotion, say yes to everything, take on every project. And I did that. I spent about 20 to 25 years uh, doing that and, and did very well. I was a, a managing director for a Fortune 500 company reporting to CEO when I, when I left corporate life and was making a lot of money, but I was so miserable, right? so miserable. <clears throat> and I don't look at that as wasted time though. My no. entire, the entire decade of my thirties, I was in a bad marriage. I was a hundred pounds overweight and I worked a job that I didn't like. I really didn't have any friends. I didn't like myself very much. Right. With all of that going on, I still don't look back and think I wasted my 30s. I thought that was a great time of, of going deeper and deeper and deeper to really, I was going to psychics. I was trying to figure out what was going on with me, what this information was that was coming, how to use it in a better way. And yeah. then when I hit my 40s, I just decided I can't, I can't keep on like this. I've got to make big changes. And I did. Yeah. And that's when I started really changing things in my life. And that's, that's how I developed Taya was I, I, with, in the beginning, what was already coming to me combined with the teachings of Abraham started really making big changes in my life because I sort of, the stream for me filled in the gaps that Abraham didn't fill in. Mm -hmm. And that's where Law of Attraction 2.0, which is the practice of Taya, came from, mm -hmm. is how to really make these changes and how to appreciate negative, uh, you know, and how to take it to a much deeper level of spiritual practice so that you are really changing your default vibration and I learned how to change my vibration on every topic so that I could get what I wanted out of every topic. So there wasn't an area of life anymore. I was blocked. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and now there's so much satisfaction in teaching this to people all over the world and teaching these tools. And I know now that it's going to be an ever evolving spiritual practice and right. the people that take it and get into it all help co-create it. And it's just going to keep you know, rolling and evolving. And the only rules are that there's no rules. Right. There's no rules, there's no judgment, there's no fear, and there's no worship. So we took all of the, the elements of religion you know, out of it, and it really is about alignment and, and, and seeing your life in the world from a higher perspective and using whatever tools. Because mm -hmm. the stream will come on and say, you don't need crystals, you don't need this, you don't need that. But there's nothing, you're physical. There's nothing wrong with physical tools, and you pick the tools that you want and you trust and you believe 
and they will work for you. You are the power. Mm-hmm. And I see the power of tapping. I really do because it just, I, I instantaneously get relaxed mm-hmm. when I tap my forehead. You know, right. that's, that's kind of where the stream comes in. That's that third eye space. And when I feel my fingers touching and tapping, I instantaneously, my sure. vibe raises, I get, I get relaxed. Yeah. So I, I see the value in that. And I understood the first time I ever had acupuncture, I got it. And she mm-hmm. stuck all those needles in me and I felt that energy start to shift and move around in my body. I knew that, oh, okay, this is what we're doing here. You know, we're shifting energy around in my body to yeah. uh, alleviate the pain and alleviate the conditions that are causing the pain. And it worked. I love right. acupuncture. I still talk about it all the time. And, and tapping is just another form of that. And I love that you pointed out that you don't even have to fit. You can get to a point where I'm even physically doing it, that you can start shifting that energy mentally Absolutely. around. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that really makes big changes. And the idea of changing your recollection of your past, because that's the only way it's still alive. That's right. That's so that, that nasty memory that takes you down your spiral that has created your limiting belief is something that you have created and continue to recreate in your mind. That's absolutely right. And even, even if you don't even, so some people have things that have happened and they replay it, replay it often. Some people have something happen to them that shifts their life and they don't even replay it, but it's there. The effect of it, how they recorded it is there and it, and it's uh, having an effect on your life. <clears throat> and so you can, it can either be stuffed down a lot of, lot, of, lot of my clients, they might have, have been abused. Um, they don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. But it's affecting their life. It's affecting who they're attracting in their lives. And when we start to deal with some of their current issues and their current relationships, current problems, have a few sessions, a few sessions, and then all of a sudden they, they start to remember stuff. So anyway, we sometimes we're peeling the onion. Yeah. That. Well, and, you know, I, I really help people get past their fear of facing their past. Because right. until they do, that stuff is, is active in their lower vibration. Absolutely. And there's things they don't want to face. But in boot camp, that's why in that control environment with the coaching and accountability and all the tools that we have, I, I, want, to, I want to get that stuff to the surface and let's deal with it and let's look at it from a different perspective and let's detune it. Because Absolutely. that will start to shift everything in your life. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Mark? Final thoughts? I, I just like the idea of people really studying this stuff and learning how to, you know, Robert Smith calls it personal power. I mean, this is about personal power and doing the work towards creating that as much as you can for, for yourself. And there is an investment. I mean, there's time to be spent towards working on yourself. And we encourage that. We really encourage to look, look within, do that work, learn a modality, um, this, this tapping that we have, it's pretty amazing. His, he has a, Robert Smith has a uh, YouTube channel. If you look up faster EFT on YouTube, you'll find it. He has over 2000 videos and a lot of it are, are, is him talking and him teaching people how to do it on for themselves. A lot of it are people who have been through the trainings like myself and who, and it has changed their lives and just real, not like fake testimonials, but real people who said, you know, I had fibromyalgia or I had this and I had my eyesight or I had chronic back pain, you know, and, and it deals with a lot of physical pain too, because physical pain, our body is just a reflection of our mind. Our body is just reacting to what we're holding on side too. Not as our world, our outside world is reacting to our inner world. So is our body. 
reacting and being, you know, a reflection of what we're holding inside. So it's pretty amazing. I would say go check out fa uh, uh, that YouTube channel or go to fastereft.com. There's a seven day quick study, uh, free quick study guide to learn about it and how to do it. Um, and then of course, law of attraction. So I love the idea of mastering the law of attraction. So keep listening to your podcast and your Facebook lives that you do and your Taya and your boot camps, people like you and Gary. The, to me, those are the two main studies that I love. <laughs> I'm behind is master and study the law of attraction. And I love that the tool of faster EFT tapping. Um, and if they want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? So for me, you know, I, I do have a, I'll say my website, it's my name.com. So it's Mark with a K Shahada S as in Sam H I H A D as in David E H Mark Um, but I like, I have a, I have a Facebook group and I have a podcast. My podcast is called the tap it out podcast. And it's about tapping mastery of T and the law of attraction, the mastery of it, working those together. And my Facebook groups is called tap it out. If you go to Facebook and you search for tap it out, you'll find that. And I do, I do want to just mention, I do have a weight loss program that's coming out uh, soon. Uh, that's how to, and it's not weight loss. It's kind of like Gary had a book called the Joshua diet. It's not necessarily about losing weight, but it's about controlling how look, actually looking at what's controlling us as far as the programs you talk about the money programs that we've had. Well, there's eating programs that we've had. Um, how we tie different things to different foods and how we can fall in love with foods and how we can have programs as far as finish your plate. Um, people are starving in India or whatnot. And we look at all those things and it's a way of getting control of your life with food and your body image is also. also and your, how, you, how are you loving your body or are you looking in the mirror and you're hating yourself? That type of thing. So I have that coming out. I've been working on it now and going to come out between two and three weeks. And so you can, if you go to my group, you can find it. So go to my group, tap it out, search tap it out groups in Facebook and you'll find me. And you can learn more about that too, if you're interested. Very good. Mark, thank you so much. It's always great talking to you. And then certainly uh, this has been a fun, uh, I, mean, I think it's over an hour now, so a fun time yeah. uh, on the show today. I didn't time it at all. Now that I'm not on all the way radio anymore, I can just do a podcast like everyone. Great. So it's uh, been very great talking to you as always and very informative. Have a great holiday, man. David, I really appreciate it. I had a great time. So thank you. You do the same. Thanks right. for having me. Sir, thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Stream of David, visit thestreamofdavid.com. For topic requests or to learn more about David's Taya Boot Camp, email david at thestreamofdavid.com. See you next week.